The following program is rated MAL. It contains strong language and is intended only for mature audiences. Green flag waving from the always exciting Sheldon Hutchill. He'll bounce the right rear off the wall in turn four. Lot one for Sheldon Hutchill. Quick time! Off turn four. Quick time! Ten, zero, three, zero. Second lap time for David is quick time! 15 0 2 2. Lap number one for Kyle Larson. Quick time! It's a 10 145. What is going on, race fans? Welcome back to another edition of Quick Time, the podcast. We got the regular crew with us again, uh, as always, on Tuesday nights. Uh, we took last week off, uh, just kind of busy doing general life stuff. So uh, I want to welcome everybody. If you guys are a first-time listener, uh, you know, make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast, uh, share it out with your friends, and if you're your returners, like I said, share it out with your friends because that's the only way this thing's going to grow. So uh, Brad Brown, the guy looking for a lawnmower right now, is uh, joining us. Brad, how's it going? <laughs> Yeah, pretty good. Cheers, everybody. Great Tuesday. Great Tuesday evening. Uh, I'm glad to be back and uh, can't wait to hash out this show today and see what, how it turns out. And uh, along with Brad, we got Jason North back with us. Jason, uh, how's uh, how's life treating you? Uh, I have a working lawnmower. <clears throat> so, you know, <laughs> excuse well, I, me. Home Depot special, baby. Right there, $250. It, or maybe 260 I don't know what the hell it was. I got a bottle with my stimulus. <laughs> <laughs> I got a Toro that's about five years old, but the damn thing when, when in the spring and the fall, when you're mowing, the grass is really thick and wet and heavy. My bag only fills up about halfway. So I'm dumping the thing all the time and I'm not even mowing. So um, I had a snapper previously and it had a side bag that, that uh, it filled up every time. And so, but apparently I've been told by Brock dump up there in South Dakota he he handles this kind of stuff that, that they don't make snappers uh, very very much anymore, and there's not a lot to choose from. So the 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 story is I got to get a Honda, and my brother Rory bought a Honda last year and absolutely loves it. But I don't know that I'm improving anything by having that same uh, leaf bag in the back like uh, like they all are anymore. So the real question is, how many times a week are you mowing? I mow at least once a week. Okay, you should be doing it twice a week. And don't do that bag bullshit. You need mulch your grass. Mulching. Put all those nutrients back <clears throat> into the ground. <laughs> that's what fertilizer's for. That's, that's yeah. And just because you yeah. chop off that leaf blade doesn't mean that fertilizer yeah. that you put down is not in it still. So you put all that back down in the ground. And uh, if you want a good-looking yard, you need to come over by my place later on. And, uh, we'll show you how it's done, Brad. Well, we know how it's done because you post a picture about every week about God, how cool God, the lines are. Goddamn straight, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so uh, Honda, Honda is the way to go. Uh, if, if you don't like the Toro, my next one's gonna be a Toro. I, I, I ended up getting a, the uh, not the Home Depot special. I got the Lowe's special when mm. when I bought a bought a one. That's how I got my Husqvarna. So, uh, but next one I'm getting is uh, it's gonna be a Toro for sure. Yeah, I'm not impressed. Uh, I'll sell you mine at a discounted price. Uh, if that price is free, then by all means. <laughs> I, 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 speaking of free, I got a free mower the other day too. So uh, I got a real mower. I don't know. A real mower. Oh, like the old Brady Bunch push style mower. Yep. So you know, do it, cut it low. Like the like, if you want your uh, your grass to look like a putting green, you need to get a real mower. 
So uh, I'm going to try that out, see what it's like. But fuck, enough of this uh, <laughs> this long talk. This is this yeah. ain't the long care, not mm-hmm. right now. We're uh, we're talking sprint car racing, guys. Uh, on tonight's show, we are hopefully going to be joined by the owner of I80 Speedway, Joe Kaziski, as he brings back. He's the Lord and Savior of the 360 sprint cars here in Nebraska. As he has what six dates on the schedule with the with the 360s? Actually, ten. Ten dates. Ten dates. Goddamn. Yep. Starting April second and third for the spring meltdown. Yeah, that's going to be a big race. I, I saw the payout um, on on for that. So uh, let's see here. Uh, Friday for the uh, three sixty sprints is fifteen hundred dollars to win. You're looking at two fifty to start, but on Saturday that's where the big money's coming up twenty five hundred dollars to win and three fifty to start. So pretty good payday for the three uh, sixties. Hopefully we can get a full field of cars out there, and uh, hopefully all you race fans go out there and support Joe because. Uh, He's definitely going out on a limb and uh, trying to keep this 360 racing alive around here. Well, for all those who are going on, you know, why don't they run here? Why don't they run? Why don't they run? What? You know, this is great. This is, you know, now's the time to show it. It's time for the racers to show up. It's time for the fans to show up and, and actually participate. Because if you if we get another, you know, 18 cars and 1,000 people in stands, it ain't going to happen anymore. So hopefully uh, all the pent-up demand that everybody says is out there is out there and can support I-80 done a lot for sprint car racing done a lot for um big shows i mean not to mention you know it's a huge late model show now and uh you know the uh, other events that he's running world outlaws uh definitely um stepping forward and, and really putting it out there so best we can do is uh, support that track well after last year so many people took the year off of going to races and so now's the time to wet your whistle so to speak and get out there and, and support this this is what I like about it, on top of the fact that there are 360 sprint cars, there's only three classes of cars every night. And so uh, the Kaziskis do a great job, whether they have three classes or six classes, they do a great job of getting the program and rushing it through and getting done at a reasonable time. And to have three classes, uh, I, I can't wait. I hope the weather's great. I hope the fans show up. And I hope the drivers show up to, to kick off this season in Nebraska. Yeah, Brad, you mentioned uh, support classes there. That's going to bring us to our our race topic of the day as we uh, kick off the back half of the show. We're going to debate support classes. Do we need them uh, for big shows? For big shows, do we need them? And uh, what classifies a big show? So, uh, back half of the show, we're gonna we're gonna debate that. And I think uh, I think we're pretty much all going to be in agreement. But it'll be interesting to see our opinions on that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um... There's a lot of opinions on Facebook and Twitter about uh, support classes and how many is appropriate and which ones you need to have. But, uh, yeah, so we, we, we all know the purpose of support classes. Um, we just got to uh, – we'll debate it and see how uh, – what, what our opinions are. Yeah, there's – you know, I haven't been in the promotion end of it. There's there's pros and cons, and sometimes they aren't quite the way you think they are. And, and again, we'll, we'll talk about it and uh, hopefully get a lot of perspectives and – and you know, I don't say it'll never sell the debate, but <laughs> we'll uh, maybe just uh, lend some lend some talking points and a little bit of experience some, from some the knowledge. group of us. We're going to drop yeah, some, some knowledge. knowledge. Been we've all been to a lot of races, been on various ends of you know whether it be promotion, covering, support, that kind of thing. So I'm looking forward to that discussion. Yeah, definitely. So uh, since we were last on the air with you guys, we actually have some races uh, going on. Uh, the World Outlaws uh, was back in action down in Florida on a revised schedule. Uh, Friday night, they uh, took their talents down to Volusia Speedway again, and we saw 
one fast ass car down there, the forty one of Carson Macedo picking up the victory. It was I don't know if you guys watched the highlights of the race, but it was amazing. He he started, I want to say tenth. And uh, on on a speed track like that, coming back from tenth to win it is 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 really impressive. That guy, he could take that car anywhere he wanted to and make it stick. And and he made it look too easy. And it's never easy against the Outlaws, but he made it look look too easy to win that race. I think both nights he started relatively deep too, didn't he? Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and I he got a podium the second night. I want to say mm-hmm. the second or third. Yeah. Yep, Saturday night they uh, rolled down rolled down the road a little bit to uh, East Bay Raceway Park where they haven't been in what I believe Johnny Gibson was saying thirty eight years something like that. Wow. And uh, yeah, I used to that that used to be the season opener. Yeah, and we saw uh, who won that Aaron race? Reitzel. Aaron Reitzel. Aaron Reitzel. Aaron Reitzel. Four in the fluff, baby. He he made a comment in in the winner's circle in an interview that uh, uh, he watched a video and watched Gary Wright. Uh, stick the car up above the cushion and and win win a race and so he thought it was really cool and that he did it and he thought it was awesome it brought me back to one night where um we were at eagle raceway and um doug wolfgang was doing the same type of thing and he wasn't going anywhere and there was a caution and and uh he kept up there and he just kept packing it down and and my dad and I, all of us were talking and my, I, we go, what's, what is he doing? Cause everybody else stayed below the cushion, just drive, making the laps under yellow and stuff. And my dad goes, he's making himself a racetrack and sure as shit. When the green flag flew, he was up there and he passed everybody and ended up winning the race that night. And that's what Reitzel did. He went where nobody else was and he just made himself a racetrack and he, uh, uh, he, he won the race. Yeah, definitely. You know, he's finding, uh, obviously, that Roth team is now finding some groove again. And with the talent Reitzel's got, uh, you know, we talked about this, you know, beginning of the year and take a look at, you know, where are your big three, you know, the the, the world out, you know, the shots and Sweet and Shuhart. I had Brad Sweet was third. And it's not that shots, you know, was doing bad. I think he was in top five both nights or fourth. And Shuhart was in, it just, um, it's just going to be that much more competitive and each night is going to have a difference. And I think the biggest key is, is finishing and finishing. Well, uh, this, this is going to be a tremendous, tremendous battle. And, uh, for whatever we saw Kyle Larson do last year, you know, kind of just dominating there almost every time he showed up, I think we're going to, you can pick the winner out of a hat each night. So it's going to be a good season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you mentioned. Well, first off, we're gonna mention Kyle Larson real quick. He uh, found victory lane back in the Cup Series, so uh, <laughs> congratulations to that. I mean, he's still continuing his winning ways. But back to the sprint car stuff. Uh, like I said, it's gonna be fun to watch. You know, the Outlaws because it's not it's not just the top big three anymore. It's not it's not like Steve, Sammy, and, and Mark Henser back in the day. So you're, you're you can pick a winner out of the hat. There, there's no doubt about it. Anybody within in that starting that top ten could probably win a freaking race now. I agree. A couple of shows ago, we picked our top five finishers in the outlaw points. Uh, who did you guys pick? I picked uh, Donnie Shots. Who did you guys pick? You I remember. I, I, I know I picked Shuhart to. I think I don't know. I have to go back and listen. I think I went with David Gravel. Yeah, I think I think I went with Shuhart as as a champ. But okay, and here we are. Uh, Macedo was the fastest car last weekend, and he's leading points we, now too. I'm yeah. not saying we need to readdress this because I think we 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 made our points a couple of shows ago, but. 
I think we may have underestimated that 41 car because uh, what he did this last weekend was very impressive. And, uh, and, and Macedo did uh, really well last year with uh, um, uh, Joe Gertie, the crew chief of that car. But now uh, he's got, he's got a new man and, and this is one of the better crew chiefs in the country. And so um, we may have underestimated that 41 car. What was the line? I think uh, World Alice put out like Phil Dietz has put what five people in five different drivers in Victory Lane in the World Outlaws in like the past two years or three years or something, something like, that. like that. Yeah, so, Phil Dietz. Yeah. Is, I mean, he he's he's I want to say he's like this generation's Carl Kinzer. I mean, he's starting to shape up like he's it. Putting guys yep. in Victory Lane, he knows how to wrench on a race car, and he just makes that thing faster every every single time he goes out on the racetrack. Well, Macedo said that coming in from the heat race, he didn't feel that comfortable, and they changed a lot of stuff. And then we went out for the feature and said that's the best car he's ever driven. And um, I mean, that just shows you what uh, um, what is what they can do to the car to make it a little bit better. And and it was amazing what he did that night. Also, many times too, it you'll get maybe a good driver and a crew chief combination, or you know, and you'll say, well, this guy didn't work or that guy didn't work. But I think one of the things that really makes a good crew chief is someone who can communicate with their driver. And sometimes drivers communicate differently. Sometimes they communicate really well. Sometimes not. They don't quite get get across what they're trying to speak to. And and Phil being able to watch that car and understand what's being told to him is, uh, you know, I, I read part. You know, that's that's huge. And if if he can just you know translate between those two, then you got something special. And obviously, yeah. Uh, Phil seems to be getting it done. It reminds me of a story from Knoxville when way back in the day when uh, Mark Kinzer was driving for Carl and winning. And uh, we went out to qualify and Gary Wright come out and qualified, you know, in the 60 or something. And we qualified like 72nd and we're, you know, both of us are pretty far back. And Mark Kinzer goes out and sets quick time in like 78 spot. And uh, he said, uh, Gary just looks and goes, you know, for all these years, we thought Steve Kinzer was God. But we just realized he was driving God's car. So that <laughs> <laughs> just shows, you know, kind of what these legendary crew chiefs can do. And yeah. So maybe we're witnessing that. Well, Phil's putting together a, a great resume. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I pulled up the that article uh, that you're talking about, Jason, where uh, over the last three years, uh, Phil's put five different drivers in victory lane, uh, racking up 24 outlaw wins in, since 2018. So uh, those drivers are Jason Johnson, David Gravel, Parker Price-Miller, Carson Macedo, and uh, last year for the one-off, Shane Stewart. I mean, he just jumped in that car and parked in the victory true. <laughs> Best ride Shane Stewart had all, all year later, all last year. Even though he was short in year too. Yeah, yeah. Pretty impressive. Yeah, speaking of crew chiefs, uh, Brad, you, you mentioned uh, earlier that there's been a crew chief change on the 18, uh, the KCP car with uh, Gio Selzy driving it. Yeah, the early season, silly season, early season, silly season. Say that three times fast. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Tyler Swank is no longer with the 18 car. Uh, he is now with Parker Price Miller, and um, Bernie Steuben is now with the 18 car, and they got rid of the J&Js, and they are racing Maxims now. So a couple big changes in the 18 car, and what all that did was produce a third-place finish for uh, Geo Selzy. So that's a uh, – Things seem to be headed in the right direction for that car. And they got a new paint scheme, too. And I, I'm not an orange person, but I thought that car was pretty sharp with uh, the orange and white uh, color scheme. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's a lot. It, that says something too. You know, they're dealing with a new new engine too. It's yeah. something that nobody else is around with the Toyota power plant. So. Oh, true. Yes. So it's it's definitely got a lot of work out of him, but I'm I'm impressed that he can come out there. You know, this is the first year, and you know, Geo's looked pretty pretty solid uh, in that car already with uh, with Toyota Power. And if they found something new, then it's um, watch out. And then then here we go. Let's let's throw another guy into that into that mix, no matter where he shows up. So. Yeah, for very sure. impressive. Yeah, very definitely, impressive. definitely impressive uh, with Geo during that car. And you know, as you mentioned, that Toyota thing, I, I think once the, the crew chiefs kind of learn that motor a little bit, I think they're going to be tough to contend with. Uh, so that's just my opinion. And there's factory backing too. I mean, they'll take that, you know, whatever they can to make it work. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, we got to mention some uh, quick time mojo. We had uh, Shane Golovic on our last episode, I believe it was, and he uh, parted in. Victory Lane this past weekend at Kern County out there in California. So uh, it's good to see some of our uh, good luck uh, run off on, on some people, even after <laughs> I botched the uh, the intro last week. Or <laughs> yeah, that's all us, uh, the, uh, car, uh, quick time karma. So, yeah, so if you want to win, win a race, you, uh, get on the show. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, we probably list people to work for. So. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we had some locals racing, Brad. I know you mentioned Tyler Drucky and Jason Martin took their uh, took their machines down south of uh, down in Oklahoma. Is that right? Yeah, they went to Oklahoma, and from my understanding, the OCRS uh, Oil Capital Racing Series uh, they combined rules with the IMCA, and so now you can kind of run both of their rules. I'm not exactly clear on the whole thing, but. Uh, yeah, Tyler Drukey went down there and they got rained out Friday, but then they raced Saturday, Sunday. And Tyler uh, went from eighth to third in the feature on on Saturday and then went 18th to seventh on Sunday. So that was a pretty impressive run. He went forward and uh, kept the car uh, in one piece. And then Jason Martin, uh, Jason had a little uh, more difficult uh, Saturday night uh, in his heat race. He clipped a in infield tractor tire and uh, took him out of the heat race, and then he never made up a lot of ground in the B feature, so he's, he finished in the B. But on uh, Saturday, uh, Sunday, I watched the the highlights, and he started started tenth, I want to say, and he ended up finishing second. Uh, it was a rubber down track, but uh, before it got rubber, he was on the high side, and he was the only one on the high side, and he was passing cars left and right. But then the, there was a caution flag, and then he got settled down to second and that's pretty much where he wrote it out so uh uh two nebraska cars going down to oklahoma and uh having a pretty good weekend yeah it's it's great that our our local guys are getting their uh, machines out and getting some laps in because uh before you know it, we're gonna be racing here in the corners for state not that far away if, if you're not driving a sprint car it's starting within about two weeks so yeah, I, I believe james roland uh was saying 12 days until the uh Nebraska Dirt Crown kicks Dirt, off, yep. and that's uh, modified and stock cars. I think I'm, I don't modified know. Modified stock cars, hobbies. Yeah, I don't. I don't follow it that well too much, but because uh, if it's, if it's not open wheel, I don't give a shit. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> but they they're going back to uh, Thayer County Speedway, so it's nice to see that track open up after what almost a decade. I, I kind of want to so. go there just to say uh, that just I for that, yeah. yeah. And I, I saw that you posted uh, some uh, micro sprint stuff saying you need to get back to go to some, some more micro races. And, uh, yeah, and, yeah uh, definitely Hastings. We there. definitely need to make a road trip down to Hastings. And Brad, I, I, I think you should even join on that road trip. 
I went there when I was in high school, and I it's been so that's about a long, long time ago. And I, but I've never been back there, so. So yeah, I think you should uh, join on the road trip. It's it's a cool little place, Cam Cam Raceway down there in Hastings, Nebraska, where they uh, they run uh, micros. So they run outlaw outlaw mini sprints and uh, A class and restrictors and junior sprints and all that sort of stuff. I mean, they have some go karts and four wheelers out there. That's kind of when you go get your uh, go get your hot dog and go get a <laughs> refreshment a little bit. But uh, they put on some great races, so I, I highly recommend it if you if you're in the area and you can on a Friday night, go down there and check that place out. I think Jefferson County is starting up fairly soon, too. They're going to have um, micros down there fairly soon, too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what else has been going well, on in the racing world, Brad? You want you want to run through the more winners? Yeah, we can run. Uh, All right. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to give – we can give Joe a little bit more time here to, to take care of his business. But uh, <laughs> uh, <coughs> excuse me, Justin Sanders – uh, he won. Uh, he doubled up in Silver Dollar Speedway in California this weekend. Uh, that means that that's his third win on the year. He went to Arizona about two weeks ago and and won a race in a 360 race. But uh, he took the Silver Dollar Speedway races. Um, we got Mark Smith doing Mark Smith things down there, and with the USCS, he won two races in Louisiana. Uh, Dominic Selzy finally did what his younger brother Gio Selzy does a lot of, and that's win a race. Uh, he won a race at Kern County Raceway in California. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's no offense to Dom. That's kind of a pun because uh, there's always, everybody makes always teases Dom where Gio wins a lot of races, but uh, Dom won down there in Kern County Speedway in California. Tim Schaefer took a uh, Lincoln Speedway. I, I love Tim Schaefer, and now that he's in the '72 car. Uh, I, I look for big things out of that 72 car again and pick up where, uh, Greg Hodnett left off and start winning a lot of races there. Yeah, in definitely. I, I got Tim Shaper's interview here and from Victor land. I'm going to play it real quick. Cause, uh, he made a, about the second, I, I think it's the second or third question. He made a, a typical Tim Shaper answer. Always good to see Tim at the at the racetrack. Great to see him in Victory Lane. Congratulations! Wow, what a car! It's you know, I thought they were all crazy for racing today. You know, and it turned out great for us. Uh, you know, track really got better and better as the night went or day went. But uh, no, hats off to Mike Hefner and the guys, Heath, Ricky. Uh, this one's for Greg. Well, absolutely. Certainly uh, a big a big seat to fill, per, to, say, and the, to say the least. But, uh, Tim, you guys are off to a very good start this season. We really have been. Um, it goes with our communication and getting along. Um, uh, me and Heath seem like we're hitting it right off, right off the beginning, and uh, that means a lot. Well, it certainly does. Now, of course, we were, you and I were carrying on back earlier. I couldn't even remember where you were from. It's a steel city outlaw. We got it. You are from Aliquippa, but uh, you know what? You're, you've been here in Pennsylvania over the years from time to time in different situations, and uh, it's always good to have you back here. You're just one of the fan favorites here, especially at Lincoln Speedway. Well, I have a lot of family out here. Basically, they've been friends for 30-plus years, Sterling and guys back at the at the lounge. Yeah, at the, la- <laughs> at the lounge. Where are you headed to after the race? Here. I, the lounge. I think so. I'm sure. Yeah, for those who don't know the lounge, uh, Tim's going to go get a beer. That's what he's doing. <laughs> you know, we were talking about earlier who we're going to get to put on the show this week, and and Tim Schaefer was brought up a bit. I was concerned because I don't speak Aliquippa, and I don't know that any of you guys do, and I don't know that we can understand Aliquippa. So I was a little, <laughs> a little worried about uh, having Tim Schaefer on the show. Hey, but we all, all of us, understand beer. So I think we'll fit right on in. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Beer and racing. They go hand uh, in hand. Yeah. <laughs> As we're all drinking right now. Um, RJ Johnson won at Central Arizona Speedway. Uh, Johnny Kent won the OCRS race on Saturday. And Joe Bob Lee won the OCRS race on Sunday. So I don't know if mom and dad couldn't figure out a good first name, so they just gave him three of them or what. But uh, Joe, Bob Lee. Joe, Joe Bob Lee won the OCRS race in, uh, in Oklahoma this last weekend. And that's pretty much sums up the, uh, the winner's list from this last weekend. Yeah, I mean, we had a full plate of uh, sprint car racing on the docket. I mean, it's nice that things are starting to kick off uh, down south as, and as things warm up here. And, uh, I mean, they did race when it was 34 degrees out in Pennsylvania. So, I mean, Oof. we we could do it. <laughs> I, just don't, I don't think our promoter's crazy enough to do it, though. No. <laughs> well, today it was 79. We could have raced today, but who races yeah. on, a, on a Tuesday? I, I don't know how they can keep those tracks in any decent shape. You know, I know they can run in the day and maybe it's just because it packs down, but when that water freezes in there, it kind of pulverizes that dirt. So I always wonder how they can get those tracks in, in, in a raceable shape. So. I just want to know how cold that's it off. Is. I just want to know how cold it is when you have a 140 mile an hour wind chill. <laughs> it's interesting because Tim Schaefer said the track was good and it got better as the day went on, but Danny Dietrich had nothing good to say about the track. And Danny so, Dietrich doesn't have anything uh, yeah. good to say most of the time anyway. So, well, it all depends where he finishes. <laughs> yeah. If it's not in the number one spot, it's the fucking track. Yeah. Or my tires are shit or my car was crap. It's, it's never that I wasn't good enough. <laughs> well, hats off to him, man. Hats off to they can do that. So have you guys ever been to Lincoln Speedway there in Pennsylvania? Nope. I've been to one. Cool. I've been one to one track in Pennsylvania, and that's Williams Grove. I think uh, two years ago, I was going to try to go to Lincoln. I think it was Lincoln that I was going to try to go to, but I just I was just dead tired from hockey all day and didn't want to make the trip. I went there to Lincoln, and they have a tunnel in Turn Four where you can go underneath and get into the infield, and so you had free range. You buy a, a grandstand ticket, and you can go in the infield and do whatever you want. You can bring your own beer in. So I went and bought a cooler at a local place. I went and bought a six-pack of beer. I went to the races, and you can't bring bottles in. So I had a six-pack of bottled yingling. And you had to drink it so, all in the parking lot before you got in. Yeah. And that, so then I had to go out and do some more shopping. So I went and got a, found a six-pack of cans to bring in. And uh, so, yeah, it, but it was a great, great, great racetrack. Even though the infield was packed with people, you could still see every little uh, inch of the racetrack. It was it was a great experience, and I will be back to Lincoln Speedway at some point. That's one thing I think is really cool out in kind of the Pennsylvania area because Williams Grove is the same way. You buy a grandstand ticket, and there's a section in the in the infield that you can go and watch. I think that's a really cool opportunity for fans to go and just just check out a different view of the races. Absolutely, yep, I agree. But just, yeah, got to make a trip to Pennsylvania. I, I got to do it sometime in my life. Is, is that where you're going to end up for your uh, 55th, Brad? I'm Port pretty Royal. sure. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Port Royal uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Steelers game on Sunday, and then come home on Monday. Yep, I I'm pretty sure that's where we're going to go. Big Steelers news: We just signed Big Ben for uh, extension. Yeah, glad he took a pay cut to do that. <laughs> creaky Ben. Hey, he's still better than Dak Prescott. That's right. <laughs> and uh, who who's the Jets quarterback there, Jason? Is it still yeah. Mark Sanchez? <laughs> do, do they have one? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for that. <laughs> Jason has no comment on his football team right now. No. So all you fans of it out there by port, let me know. Hook, hook me up with where I need to go, where I need to stay. My, we're talking about a bed and breakfast. I don't even know if there's bed and breakfast in a town of 800 or whatever Port Royal is, but uh, that's that's what we're all looking to do. I don't know how close that is to Amish country, but I'm pretty sure you can find a Amish bed and breakfast somewhere out there. <laughs> Ezekiel will put you up. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll get it all worked <laughs> All right. Talking about yeah. <laughs> I went to school with the guy from Amish country. So, uh, yep, that's I, yep, I, yep. I can do it. <laughs> they don't. They don't <laughs> listen to the podcast up there in Amish country. So, no, we're, we're all right. <laughs> he wasn't Amish, but would talk about you know the buggies on the road on the way. All right. So, so yeah. So we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, Brad's gonna get on and figure out what's going on with Joe and. uh We'll, we'll catch everybody, and hopefully we'll have a Joe Kosinski on on the uh, backside there. How much? How many friends did you make, Brandon, uh, doing laying those black streaks in your in your uh, <laughs> road this weekend? Black streaks? You mean the one wheel streak? <laughs> the one wheel, baby. <laughs> hey, it's still a streak. It is still a streak. Now, my neighbor, he, he's sixteen, and he was sitting in the back of his pickup truck, and so I was like, I'm just gonna fucking smoke him out. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I let it rip. His mom yelled at me. I came back and like I came back and like yeah, sorry about that. And then uh, at our neighbor, he goes, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, it'd be a lot cooler. If both of them spun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, welcome back to the show. We are now going to dive deep into our driving topic of the night: sport classes for big shows. Are they needed? And if so, how many? Uh, first of all, guys, what would you classify as a big show? Is it something like what what I80 is doing, where they bring in the three sixties for 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 a night, or would you say it has to be like a traveling series, or what would you classify a big show? First of all, I would think anything that's like an annual event. Um, you know, your let's let's talk big big. You know, Knoxville Nationals. Uh, around here you know your race saver nationals i'd argue you know whatever other classes you know your silver dollar nationals that kind of thing uh those kind of events world outlaws world big outlaws show. all stars USAC, all stars yeah i think if you're bringing it i think if you're bringing in a nat the national series of any sort whether it be all stars uh USAC, outlaws ascs i would classify that as as a big show now, if you have like a little regional series, like kind of what the Nebraska 360 was, I, I or MSTS or whatever, I, I don't say that's a big show one. No, I wouldn't say every special event is a quote big show. You know, if it's not your normal weekly weekly lineup, you know that doesn't necessarily make it a big show. But like I said, if you got guys that are touring, uh, you know, as I in a lot of cases, I always see it as the guys who race to eat. You know, if, if it's those guys, then you, then you got a big show. I yes and no. Um, I think for me, a big show would be anything out of the abnormal. Um, the Nebraska Cup uh, or the Fall Brawl at I eighty Speedway for several years was just a standalone race, as far as no ASCS sanction, no it had no sanctioning, and we still had forty or fifty cars in there. Um, I, I think I think the big shows are something out of the ordinary 
um, that, uh, that the track runs uh, like this year. I, I think the fall brawl is an ASCS race, but uh, that's definitely a special race. Um, the spring meltdown could uh, it could be a special race because they're up in the purse, they're uh, advertising it, and hopefully get a lot of cars there. Um, the the several of the other races are just normal 360 races, so um, I think it's something something special to the track is is for me would be a a bigger race. Yeah, I can see that. I mean. I would say if, if if the race has a name, would it be a big show? But I see, you know, now every weekend has a name, so yeah, I, you, you, you kind of throw that out. But like the fall brawl, I mean, not, not to pick on I eighty by any means, but it, it's the Casey's Midwest Fall Brawl, and that's ASCS sprint cars, and then they have uh, two support classes: NASCAR Super Late Models plus the MS or MCSA, which I th- think is. Classic stock cars. The classic stock cars, yes. I think so, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, this NASCAR Super Late Models, I mean, that's a headliner. On, well, on yeah, that's show, what I so. say. Yeah, if you go to, uh, or the Super Late Models running in that spring meltdown, I mean, that's that's a touring series in itself. Yeah. You know, now, that's that's basically, I forgot, IMCA West or whatever. There's there's two divisions of the West and East, so it's almost like two uh, touring series coming in there. Actually, one tours. The other is 360 sprint cars. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as support classes go, I, I think one or two is, is my tops for, for a big show. I mean, I'm going to hold Eagle as the pinnacle because when they had, like, the Outlaws out there, they had one support class, and it was invite only. So you had the top 20 points of 360 sprint cars or the top 20 points of your IMCA modifieds, and that made for a good show. Now, if you bring in four support classes for like an outlaw show. I don't want to sit through that shit. No, and I don't think fans do either. You uh, know, go ahead. There used, I'm sorry. There used to be a debate even a couple years ago. And I, I know Kendra Jacobs in Knoxville posted this once, but how late do you want to be at a racetrack? And at that time, two or three years ago, I was like, Hey, this is a night out. So I'm, if I'm there until 12, one o'clock in the morning, I'm happy with that. But two or three years later, I'm like, nah, I don't need to be there at midnight. Let's get this shit done. Let's get it over with. And let's, let's get on the road and get home. So I'm, I'm completely satisfied if we're done by like at 11 o'clock. So if there's two support classes, so three, three classes each night, I think for me that's ideal. Even though that I'm only a sprint car fan, I'm 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 happy with uh, watching sprint cars, modifieds, and whatever else race for a night. Uh, I I think that's a good night of racing for for twenty or twenty five bucks. I, I I'm kind of at a point now where almost even like I said, unless there's like a lot of cars, even with God, I would even argue even with the World Outlaws, unless you know you get like forty or fifty cars that I would almost feel like I'm being, and I think this is just the change in our kind of our, you know, quicker pace culture is I would almost feel like if I was getting not enough entertainment for my money, if there wasn't something in there, I, cause I, if there's, there's one thing I've hated in this, I've hated this forever is you're going to take one class and you start them at seven and you get them over at 11 because you've been dragging out with either track prep or just sitting there or listen to announcers jaw on about something we don't care about. And um, to me, it's, 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 you know, it's kind of like the halftime show, the entertainment. I, I think you got to have it in there. 
within reason. And that was, you know, to your point, Brandon, we, you would get these, you know, and I think we saw this last year up in North Dakota with the stock cars is there's a point where we're not here to see you. You're here for the support and yes, you're here to race and that's why you're here. And thank you for coming and do it as a reward sometimes to put your, your weekly guys up there. And, you know, so I understand that part one, obviously it's the money, the back gate money, the fans that will come to see him. But I think, you know, you have a little bit of a reward for those guys that are putting on shows like, look, I'm going to have you come race under the lights with the, with the big show, but there's a limit. And uh, that's where I, I do, you know, draw the line. And when people would say, well, I, you know, I didn't get raised. Why'd you load us up? Or why did you call the time? Well, you're here. You are the support class, and that is it. And people aren't here to pay to see you only. You mentioned but, that. You mentioned that North Dakota race, and there, there's a time when the support class becomes the laughing stock class, and that's kind of what that that ended up being. I mean, they couldn't make a fucking lap. They did, and it, it was kind of embarrassing. If I was, you know, if I was, you know, the points leader of the super street stocks or whatever, and and. You know, I'm bragging on all, all my friends, be like, "Hey, come watch us. We're racing with the with the World Outlaws and whatever." Then, okay, yeah, I might have drove good, but the rest of the class looked like a joke. And that's and why you know, we, where I think you have to have that kind mm-hmm. of kind of limits. I mean, it would suck if there was like 40 of those cars there. I mean, you need you need to bring yeah. out you know the guys that are going to put on a good show. Kind of like I said earlier with Eagle, they brought in the top 20 in points, so you know those guys are going to put on a good show. And I think that's the big key is if you're going to do it, you know, bring out, say, hey, look, this is a class that races hard. They're going to, you know, they're going to be a nice show to have uh, to fill in the time. And we we used to have guys during the inv- invitationals, you know, that would we would call them up and say, hey, are you coming? Confirm it. And to your point, Brandon, there are guys said, no, I don't want to be the second fiddle out there. You know, I'm not there to be support. I'm not there to fill in the show. Uh, I'll come out when I'm racing for my points. Yeah. (laughs) When I'm racing for points. And that was, that was true. You know, even on three sixties, that was true for modifieds or whoever. It's like, I I don't want to be the support. No. And I mean, I remember getting, you know, calls from three sixty guys says, no, if you, if I'm running, I'm, I'm going to run with the outlaws. Uh, I don't, I don't want to be the second banana out there. So I get that too. Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that the tracks need support classes for sure. Um, I was talking to uh, Tony Bruce Jr. once at Eagle Raceway, and this was when he was like his second or third year into promoting races. And we were out there just walking around and watching the track uh, get packed down a little bit. And we were talking about several things. And one thing he talked about was support classes. And he said that most people hate the tuners. He goes, I would have them at every one of my races that I promote. And I'm like, I told, I said, why would you do that? Uh, they They're don't have a lot of fans. Tuners. Well, he said that they 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 don't cost anything for the purse. You you pay the winner two hundred dollars or whatever it is. They all bring at least five people to the pits. Grandma and grandpa go sit in the stands. So the the number of people that the tuners bring to the racetrack is worth every penny of it. So he would have the tuners at every racetrack that he ever promotes. Now that saying, he he got out of the promoting business, so whatever that means. But uh, um, I, I'm not a tuner fan at all. But I, I kind of agree with him for 
for a very small person, the number of uh, people that they bring into the pits and the stands, it, it might be worth it. I don't know. But uh, I, I, like I said before, I think uh, two support classes is about ideal. Um, if you bring in the top dogs like the outlaws, I think there's no support classes. People come to watch the, the outlaws and that's it. And so bring the outlaws in, put on a great show and send them out uh, hungry for more. So uh, um, that's just, that's what I think anyway. I, I think there's a degree of hedging your bets on a support on a special show. So you've got it, you know, you're putting, you're, you're laying out a bunch out there with purse. You're trying to get tickets in there. And I think with those support classes, people are trying, you know, he's like, look, I got at least cover my losses or cover something. And by doing that with the support class, they can kind of minimize the losses. And if it isn't a loss, then, you know, it's gravy on the end. Like you said, Brad. I don't know. You mentioned that, like with the outlaws, no support classes. I, I disagree there. I, I think you need to have one. You need to give the fans something going on on the racetrack while you can also go out and get a beer and whatnot. And there, uh, there's nothing worse, in my opinion, of, okay, we got 15 minutes to let the B feature cars make changes to get to the A, and you're just, you got 15 minutes to kill, and nothing's going on on the racetrack. Now, as a fan, I, I, I would feel cheated a little bit. You know, I spend. $35, $45 to go out there and watch watch the Outlaws. Yes, I'm there to watch the Outlaws, but at the same time, I want my entertainment time filled, if that makes sense. Well, it takes you 15 minutes to go down and take a pee and get another beer, so uh, it's, it's good. <laughs> but for the people who don't sit there and drink a beer, they're sitting there looking at an empty racetrack. So I, I think you need to have something there. Uh, you know, sometimes even some of these places have done, you know, the side shows, you know, the motorcycle jumps or, you know, jumping through fire or whatever. And, and that's fine. Too. Yeah. And, and that's fine too. I, I just think that the whole sitting there all night, uh, you know, hearing the crickets chirp and just listen to some guy tell some story that you don't care about is just, yeah, I don't think you can do that anymore. Like I said, I, I think our attention spans are so short that you got to have something to fill that time up. I don't need to be entertained all day, every day. So after the heat races are over, I go down and take a pee. I get a, a awesome pork fritter at IA Speedway and I get a beer or a Diet Coke and I go back up and sit down and then I get ready to watch the next race. Uh, um, oh, I don't fritters. need to be entertained uh, the whole time. I, they have music going on most places and so... Um, I'm, I'm okay with all that. I don't need to, plus if you're not, if you don't want to watch the tuners, are you really entertained by watching the tuners when you don't want to watch the tuners? So you got a point there. So if, if they're out there and they're filling up your time, but you're not watching them anyway, what difference does that make? At the same time, I'm not watching, but at the same time, I'm looking, look at this dumb fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And plus, let's be honest, I need a support class out there if I can figure out what the fuck I'm doing with the camera. So (laughs) that way I can get shit dialed in for when the big guys come out. (laughs) uh, The other dirty secret too, not dirty secret is, but sometimes those uh, stock car class with narrow tires, you just cut those tracks up for the the big tire classes. So you can cut it up without having to tear it up. Or they smooth out the ruts and mm-hmm. that too. So I, I, I mean, we make fun of the tuners and other things, but you know, to the the people that drive the tuners, that's the <laughs> they're that's doing their important doing. class. You know, they're doing Absolutely. what I'm doing. So, yeah. so we make fun, but we don't want to disrespect you guys because you guys are doing what you need to do to race, and 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 props to you. But 
but this is a sprint car podcast. And so we talk sprint car racing. So, and, <laughs> and we and, make fun of tuners <laughs> and you fender people think that we're snobs anyway. So what? Yeah. Bunch of flippers. Yeah. So bunch of leaders. So, uh, <laughs> so it just, uh, I just don't, I, I don't need a lot of support classes and entertainment. Uh, um, plus you're usually there with a couple of buddies. And so that's the time to shoot the shit and have, have a little fun and catch up on, um, <laughs> what I have no friends. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, either that's why I usually go by myself. <laughs> um, but, uh, it's, it's, I, I don't need all that entertainment and those support classes. So I'm, I'm good with one or two support classes and then having the three sixties or four tens out there tearing it up. I, yeah, I like, I'm, I'm for it within reason. I don't want four or five classes of cars out there. That's just, Ditto. that's too much. But if you were to throw in this and I, if a promoter, I, I just feel if a promoter says, Hey, you know what? Late model or, you know, my hobby stocks are always great for me every week. They all show up. I'm going to let them run. You know, you only got to do 20 laps this week and a little time limit, but come on out. I'm cool with that. You know, I, I, I think that makes for a better, better experience with promoter and, and, and more of a chance for him to come bring those shows out again and take those risks. And to be fair, most of those special shows are a risk. Yeah. And to be fair, I'm okay with the, you know, the six, seven classes of cars. If you're done at 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Now, if you're running there is twelve thirty one o'clock, you still haven't ran the features, and that's that's where I draw issue. Is is that it's just way too many? I mean, if you well, that's if you my can, thing too. Yeah, if you can run the whole thing and have seven classic cars and be done by eleven o'clock, I'm all right with that. I mean, that's to me that's an action packed night. I mean, that's eighty can do it. It's well, flying through <laughs> and it's it's having your shit, your poop in a group and getting stuff going, well, and I don't mind that one bit. And and that brings up a good point. Um, Rob Reeson, he's a um, he, he's a retired uh, freelance auto writer up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I guess he's retired to uh, Rapid City now, and he lives in a beautiful place that overlooks a lake. And uh, but he went down to uh, Arizona, uh, I'm sorry, Florida, and took in a lot of Florida speed weeks and so forth. And uh, last week he went to Louisiana and he went to a race, and there were nine classes of cars. He left. He's a sprint car fan. There were 33 sprint cars there that night. He left before the features because he was exhausted. He was tired of watching cars that he didn't care about. It was cold and it was late at night and he he didn't want to stick around. And so right there proves that too many support classes can be detrimental to your uh, um, to your race. And Rob left before the features, even though he drove to Louisiana to watch this race, he, he he was done with this. So uh, um, too many support classes can be detrimental to your, to your event that night. I was that way with like the uh, Cornhusker. And again, not to, you know, it's not a diss on I-80, but you know, they, they run the, every, every track runs kind of these back gate specials, you know, each year where they just load up everything either toward the end of the year, beginning of the year, get it, get, you know, get some money rolling in. And uh, I, I was that way, like one year with the, it was like Cornhusker Classic. And we were about, I think it was seven or eight classes and I three or four into it. And by then it was like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm done. I'm tired. You know? And I think, like you said, Brandon, if you can, if you can click them off in, you know, four hours, great. If you're running more than that, you're, you're running way too long. And, and I guess that's my feeling is what's, what's the total length of the show? And I, I think anywhere for me, it's between, you know, two and a half to four hours. Less than that, I feel cheated. More than that, I feel like we're, it's just excessive. 
Yeah, the only time I don't mind being at the racetrack at, you know, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock at night is, is something like the Nationals where they fought weather and they're they're getting the race in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, if it's a big show and, and, and whatnot and they had to, you know, have some adversity or something like that, then I don't mind it. But if it's a weekly show and I'm still out there at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm, I'm heading home. I'm old. I'm tired. It's got kind of a novelty factor to it, you know, when it's running like that, you know. You you know, two in the morning starting a feature or whatever. God damn, we're gonna see the sun come up. Here we go. Flag. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you guys I've made my point very clear about my three oh five opinion. But you know, on on top of that, if Eagle Raceway did not have five classes of cars, is it five plus the three sixties or is it five including the three sixties? Five including. Eagle doesn't run three sixties. I'm sorry, 305s. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, you'll get somebody on message board yeah. tell you, oh, you run through well, Whatever. If, if, if it was Roger a 305. Run that race back again. <laughs> There's if a dead was, horse getting beaten. If it was 305s plus two classes, I might go out there on a yeah. Saturday when yeah. I don't have anything going on. But honestly, I don't want to watch the other classes of cars to watch the 305s. It doesn't do enough for me. So it's probably more of a... Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't mind the 305s because I go out to watch the 305s in September during the, the IMCA Nationals, but I don't go during the rest of the year because I don't want to watch the rest of that stuff race. I don't have any interest at all in it. Well, so. Brad, what you need to do is get you to a group of friends. Uh, you're a likable guy. So when that other stuff goes out on the racetrack, that's when you go out in the parking lot, you get hammered, you come back in. <sighs> Watch the races, and you go back in the parking lot afterwards, and you flip shitters in the parking lot like I did. <laughs> I don't want to end up in jail in Plattsmouth. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny because I'm going to end up talking out both sides of my mouth here. I, I think there, you know, where I, if I would put a limit on it, it'd be the total number of cars. Because if you get something like the Race Saver Nationals, I I don't, I get it, but I, I hate that he runs support classes for that because yeah, you, you have, have 100 like 100 cars, sprint cars. I mean, that that's enough. And to my point is you got something going on for hours and, and, you know, and then I, I'll, I'll sometimes be a little critical of Eagles show because it's nothing but just running and running and running and running. And there's like, there's no break. We need to pee and down like, in the infield. So we need to get across the racetrack, sir. <laughs> so, you know, he's like, well, God, Jason, you said you want to be entertained. Yeah, you know, which I get. And, but yeah, that's, that's where I draw. I, so maybe it's just kind of a number of cars. I, like I said, I don't like having the sport class, especially on the final night of the race saver nationals. I, I just think that's totally unnecessary. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know why you would have a sport class when you have a hundred sprint cars in the, in the yeah, field. That's, and, and, and that's yeah. the, that's the main draw for that night. I, I don't understand that at all. Yeah, it isn't like you're trying to fill, you know, you got 20 or 30 cars and you're trying to fill some time up. It just, you got 100 cars, you're good. Yeah, you're uh, right. Yeah. It is a back gate special right there. <laughs> it, <good>. Well, <laughs> and in reality, it is. And a lot of and these, not these to specials dis- are. Not, not to diss it in by any means. because It's how they make money. It, the, uh, the Race Saver Nationals is by far one of my top five races of the year I get to go to. So I think it's fun. I, you know all the cars and that. I think it's fun. And, I, I think and, it's. I think it's fun. It's it's fun to hang out with you guys. You you. It's to me. It's kind of a like like a Knoxville Nationals. You get to see a group of guys once a year, and that's when you guys all get together. Mm-hmm. So and, you only go to six races a year if that's your top five. 
you're missing out, Brad. I'm sorry. And uh, yeah. Mr. Mr. I don't go to that many races. I probably have more races this year than you do. I go to I go to about 20 a year. I remember I remember there was a day when I went to like, you know, could get to like 60 races a year. Not anymore. Yeah. I understand. I completely understand. But Those days are long behind me. Yeah, but no, I I get to 25 30 races a year. Doing more with the family. You're going to get out more this year and, and try some new things. So, but yeah, I mean, like I said, those, those back gate specials are, you know, I can tell you that for Eagle, that's, that's Rogers home run. That's where he's going to make that money. That's, you know, and I-80 has theirs. And the, these are the things that keep these tracks running and, you know, keep them going through the lean time. So I understand it. It's, I just wish it's, it's a balance. I think that's it is. It's, it's a fine line. It's a walk. balance. Yeah. It looks like, but Brad, I don't mind him. It looks like Brad's over there on the phone. You know, any any word from our, from Joe? I just texted him and asked if it's uh, if are you even close to being ready? The fact that it's eight o'clock and we haven't heard anything, I'm going to say it's probably not going to happen tonight. No, no, I'm all right with that. We'll we'll try. Uh, maybe the third time is our lucky charm with Joe. So uh, mm-hmm. so he's a busy man. He, he definitely maybe we is. can tape it on like uh, Wednesday or Thursday, and then we can just. Edit it all in together. Speaking of taping things, we need to get together and tape a uh, a four hour long conversation with the one and only JJ Riggins here pretty soon. Hey, on a night like tonight, we could have easily done it. We could have spread out in the garage. We could have had a. I, I, I'm all ready for that. I think the fans will love a night on the mic with JJ Riggins. Legendary. I mean, <laughs> we're going to hear some stories. Legend. Wait for oh, it. Jo- Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Joe says five minutes. Oh shit! All oh. right. Well, we'll we'll kick it here for five more minutes, and uh, you know, actually, you know what? Let's just let's just take a break here, real quick. Uh, my beer's about empty. I think this is going to be a four beer podcast tonight, boys. <laughs> and uh, guys, welcome back. Uh, we are now joined on the phone with the owner of I eighty Speedway up in Greenwood, Nebraska, Joe Kaziski. Joe, I was going to lead in with a little audio clip with you. But when I typed in your for uh, your name on YouTube, the only thing I could find was a uh, uh, commercial for uh, colon cancer about uh, about ten years ago. So I kind of I kind of skipped that yeah. a little bit, a little, little bit. But uh, so uh, Joe, uh, big things coming to I eighty Speedway. Uh, you just recently added three sixty sprint cars to uh, for ten nights out of the year. Uh, uh, as sprint car fans here on the podcast, we we got to thank you right right off the get go for uh, keeping three sixty racing alive here in Nebraska. I appreciate it, but I believe there's a need for the 360 race cars. Uh, they're still part of the love of a lot of us fans as well as track owners also. Joe, with with the state of 360 racing in Nebraska, uh, there's uh, there's not a lot of 360s anymore, and it seems like they they keep dwindling. Um, do you have concerns about the number of cars that are going to show up at your events? I know your, your fall brawl and then in October one and two, you're going to have a, a, a big show there. And then your April second and third race, your spring meltdown, you uh, should have a, a pretty good car count, but uh, are you concerned at all with, with the car counts and are you working with other organizations to try to get a good car count to show up at that track? Because what you guys do at 360 racing is, is a very impressive, and the, the night is usually a pretty spectacular night. Well, until until 
I can have time to talk to the guys, you know, when we get here on in April, uh, if it would weather out and I have to have a meeting with them or a few things like that and ask them to, you know, see what their idea is to help us get a few more cars at them. Uh, other three or four events we have, you know, about once a month there through the season. Um, I'm a little concerned, but I'm, I'm not real concerned because I believe there's enough race cars. I think they just have to want to race all at the same time. Um, I don't know how you can convince them to want to be able to all do just that, if you know what I'm saying. And I, and, and I'm hoping that they can take a little bit of effort, uh, and possibly help get a few extra cars. I mean, you know, realistically a good, a good, uh, 18, 20 car field, a good field of three sixties. You got two good heat races, you know, not two nine car heats, two 10 car heats. Uh, maybe we do something a little different so we don't just end up with three races for the night. Maybe we end up having to have a, you know, a dash or a something. You know, we have to, we're going to have to uh, figure what we need as it's passed to us. Let's put it that way. About two years ago, I was at a race out there and there were 16 cars there. And, and uh, some people complained about it, but it was a great night of racing with, uh, you had like six or seven really good cars and then, um, and they raced for the lead and it was a great night. So I agree with you, 18 to 20 cars and I'm a happy man. Uh, 25 to 30 would be better, but I, I'm a happy man with 18 to 20 cars. So uh, yeah, anything we can do here on the podcast to help you out, uh, we're, we're willing to uh, get the word out to try to get some cars to show up. Well, first of all, we, we have to have them 18 to 20 cars to be able to race once in a while. And I've heard, I've heard a few names of some new guys that have bought in some 360 motors. And by racing them once a month, it gives them a little bit of time to kind of get ready. I've even heard of a guy or two possibly thinking about buying a, a car that, you know, there's a couple of used ones uh, that's around that they're talking about possibly buying one and, and getting into it. Uh, I mean, when you go to Eagle Raceway, uh, they've got more race cars. Is it more race cars, more speed, a good race? You know, that's really what you're after. Can I say every night, 18 or 20 cars can put on a good race, but I'm with you, Brad. Uh, the night that I know that you're talking about, we had a, an excellent night of race, an excellent feature race. And uh, you go to some of the great places like Knoxville, Iowa, which is they might only have 18 or 20 four tens and 18 or 20 three sixties. So you still kind of end up with the same thing. You end up with three to four races in the whole night. And, uh, we're seeing that more and more in racing everywhere that it's car counts have dwindled and we have to try to put the best show on for the fans that we can with, with the cars we've got. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I don't mind the nights, you know, like Brad was saying, only the 16 cars were like, you know, tw- 18 to 20 cars is great for me. I mean, I, I like the idea of, of throwing out like a dash or like a mystery dash or whatever. Uh, maybe make it a fan dash where the, uh, if you can sell a sponsorship to it, like, you know, if you have this car ticket in your, in your program or whatever, you get a, a free Whopper from Burger King or something like that. I, I like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think there's ways that we can, uh, figure out how to have a dash and not, you know, maybe, maybe it ends up being uh, a little bit different uh, than, uh, you know, 
maybe run an Australian pursuit style dash one night or, you know, something that, that the fans aren't typically used to that we can do to help boost the spirit of that was fun. That was neat. And, you know, we go from there. You know, several years ago, you did one of those, uh, Oh, what are they? The, what is it called? Not, it's not a challenge race where you put two cars on a track and you get two or three laps and then you advance and so forth. King of the Hill. Yeah, King of the Hill. Uh, Brian Brown yep. and, jeez, uh, um, uh, I'm drawing a blank. Gardner out of uh, South Clint Dakota. Gardner. Clint Gardner. They out, were racing. out of Sioux Falls, yep. Yep, they were coming down the back stretch and Gardner kind of washed up and took Brian Brown out and destroyed his car. Uh, as, as a driver, I'm sure that they're not big fans of that, but as fans, we absolutely love something like that to happen. Um, not to crash the race. Uh, it's a challenge race, and when they're close, it's amazing what those drivers can do to put on a show for us fans. Yep, yep. And, and every once in a while, that's what you got to do. You got to try to put on something that just, it's a little bit different, you know. Uh, and maybe we'll be able to say, hey, guys, this is what we want to do. That's what we're going to do this week in order to try to get a little bit more racing so we can give it out to the fans and let them have a little bit of uh, fun with it, you know? Uh, I think I think we can make it work. I think we just have to have a few ideas and see where we're going to be uh, when it comes time for the three or four shows that we could possibly be a little bit light on cars. Joe, what is, you know, you talked about car count now. What are, um, and you're one of the first promoters we've had on, what are some of the uh, challenges that you're facing, you know, as we're going, not not just, you know, post-COVID or all that, but some of the challenges you're facing as a promoter nowadays to kind of keep fan interest, uh, the racer interest, and, we're you know, it looks like we're starting to see kind of a resurgence in um, the cars. But what are, what are some of the challenges that you're facing, you know, as a modern-day promoter compared to you? You know, when you raced and when, you know, you, um, and even when you took over the track. Well, some of the challenges I'm seeing today, um, you know, the, I mean, a lot of promoters want to say that your social media is a killer. Your social media can be a killer. The, the guy that goes home and says, oh, there was only 18 cars. Uh, it was a terrible show. Was it a terrible show or was there only 18 cars? Which one are you really trying to say? You know, and, and they have the right to say if they're not happy, that that's all right. But why are you not happy? Did you not get a good race in front of you? Did the promoter try to just take your money and send you home? What was the reason? You know, so social media is a, a, a win and lose at the same time. We all use social media to try to help push out the good things. So, yes, we do have to suck up some bad things. But. Is the bad thing something that you want to do to destroy the race? Like I say, you know, you can say, well, he had 18 cars. It was terrible. Back to, it could have been a two-car dash for the, for the lead for the last five laps and done, a, you know, 10 crossovers. Was it really a bad race because there was only 18 cars there or because there was only 12 cars there? You know, take, yes. put it all in perspective and, and feel, was your $12 or $15 worth the money it cost to get in? Uh, wasn't as good as going to a movie, uh, you know, and then put out your social media thoughts. And, you know, did the promoter try to do something to, to make it to a race for you, even though maybe you didn't think it was the greatest? Did they try to do something? You know, let's say Jack Dover won three features in a row, and the promoter comes in and says, I'll give you 500 bucks, but you're going to start 
last. Can you do that in a 20 lap feature or 25 lap feature, whatever the number may be, you know, at least the promoter's trying to do something to help make it worth your time being there. I'm pretty sure Jack can, and, do, can do it out there at IED. He has that place figured out pretty well. <laughs> well, I, I've, I've seen some pretty good racers out there, though, that, you know, show up. I mean, we've had Seth Bramer win. We've had Cody Ledger win. Uh, you know, we've got some pretty good guys. So it doesn't always mean that he's always going to win either. You know? No, definitely uh, not. You know, yeah, Matt Jewell kind of owned the track two years ago. Yeah, two years ago, Matt Jewell was there, and I thought, where did he come from? You know, how did all of a sudden he just learn this racetrack, you know? But he just kept winning, you know? And you don't know who's going to show up. Uh, when I when I put the schedule together the best I could, I, I asked a lot of people that would help me out. Uh, we tried to schedule around the MSTS in case there was some guys up there that would come and race for us, you know, on our Friday nights. Uh, I scheduled the best I could around no Jackson, no MSTS, uh, trying to get the guys to where I can just get that extra couple of cars or extra three or four cars to try to get here and help make it. So it's not a one winner racetrack. Yeah, definitely. I, I know for a fact that as much as my wife will let me out of the house, I will be up there for every one of your sprint car shows, but sprint car racing is not the only thing going on at I 80 speedway. You have one hell of a late model race out there with the silver dollar nationals in, in uh, July, and you put that thing on, what, you're going on, what, your 10th year with that now, 11th year? This will be our 11th year, yes. 11th year, and that thing has grown tenfold every single year, and it's by far one of the crown jewel events of the late mile schedule, in my opinion. Right now, right now, this year, that week, five day, five nights of racing, they can watch five nights of super late model racing. There's over a half a million dollar purse in five nights. And it's going to be the highest paid the Saturday night show to make the Silver Dollar Nationals feature is going to be the highest show in the history of dirt late models is what I'm told. It's going to pay 5300 to start the race. Woo-hoo. So 30 cars and last place is going to get $5,300. Holy cow. But that race has grown and grown and grown over the last 10, 11 years. And, you know, the fans have loved it. We got people that are uh, buying tickets today that the one guy was flying in from down in Florida and he was getting his plane tickets and wanted to make sure he had tickets to get in the race. (laughs) So that's crazy. Awesome. Now, when he's, I mean, it's, it's, it's really a neat, a neat type of, uh, everything that goes on. It's just a great week. Now, when he started that, that race 10 years ago, did you ever think it would grow grow into something like it is now? Truthfully, I didn't have no idea it would have grown in as fast as 10 years. Had no idea that it could ever grow that fast and get as big as it is. With that, um, I got a question for you. There's, there's a lot of people that pay-per-view is getting really big. Uh, Dirt Vision, Flow Racing, and several other places are broadcasting on the internet what is your opinion on pay-per-view with with whether it's flow vision or dirt vision or whatever vision it is uh to to come into that you took to your late model race your silver dollar nationals uh, is that something that you think is helpful to i80 speedway or is that something that could 
is a detriment and to the to the success of the program. I I see a problem coming with it. Um, there's a lot of people that have now become happy just to sit at home on their couch and watch uh, Dirt Vision on TV, and they don't have to go in the heat. They don't have to go when it's cool. They don't have to go if it's a little bit misty out or anything else, and they can be home and ready to go to bed in 10 minutes after the race is over. We still have the, we still have the people that want to listen to the noise and smell the fumes and hear the tires squeal. You know, uh, when I sit and watch one of them races and, and I do a lot because I try to analyze what we can do to keep racing and make it better. Realistically, when you're watching that dirt vision, let's say you're seeing two cars or three cars usually having a race for sure. And the car yeah. you may want to watch may be back in sixth or seventh place and they may be having a better race, but they can't, they can't put the cameras on both cars. So, you know, you're still only getting half of a race, but what bothers me is a lot of times it's taken that extra fan, uh, that's, that could be at the racetrack and helping the racetrack survive and helping the, the things that we need to survive and becoming a true race fan, it's taken them out of the picture. Um, I feel that somewhere along the line, uh, the subscription TV may be a, a detrimental thing because a person can pay and some of them, you know, flow racing's got what, 40 bucks, 50 bucks a month or dirt visions, $400 a year uh, Lucas Oil TV or MAV TV has got their cost, but almost all of them's on a subscription based. When right. they were running uh, a paid per view and everybody was paying $10, $20, whatever the paid per view would be, it was still a little tough because uh, you'd have a bar or a place that would take the paid per view for 20 bucks and put it on the TV and 25 people would go meet at the bar and watch the race rather than going to the racetrack. So, yeah, Brad, your chili bowl uh, parties. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. You, you understand what I'm saying. And, but yeah, absolutely. The chili bowl and we all did one it. of them winter races. Yeah, the, the chili bowl is one of them winter races that isn't going to get hurt by a dirt picture right. of that. It's going to always be sold out. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to Florida uh, for, the, for the sprint cars and the late models is always going to get sold out. Uh, we used to do pay-per-view with Dirt on Dirt in our Silver Dollar Nationals. And I really believe that helped us grow our Silver Dollar Nationals. But I believe it's starting to fall on the back side of it today uh, because now it's on a subscription TV where the racetrack doesn't really collect like they used to on a pay-per-view. So when you're asking that question, I feel a pay-per-view is all right as long as the racetrack is collecting half of the money uh, so they can help make uh, their bills. They're the ones that's ultimately paying the racer. Right. And, you know, the, the subscription TVs are saying, well, we're bringing you the cars, we're bringing you the fans. Well, but when the fans start liking your subscription TV enough, you're not bringing nobody nothing anymore. So See, I believe in the future, we're going to, a couple of years future, we're going to have a little bit of a problem with it. And we'll have to go, I mean, 
you know, NASCAR's a, a, a big boat of a thing, but they had to start paying everybody for TV rights, the racers and everything, so the tracks didn't have to pay out such a big person. We also see what's happened to all their grandstands. I mean, yeah, you go to Daytona that you didn't think would ever lose fans. Go to Daytona, and they took all the grandstands off the backstretch and yeah. so on and so forth. So I'm, I'm seeing problems that it's going to come down to our small sport. But at the same time, I don't think dirt racing's ever been any more popular than what it is today. And I just keep hoping that everybody keeps loving dirt racing. While I'm while I'm on this earth or when I'm gone from this earth, I hope the dirt <laughs> racing keeps going. You know, I, I, I love it that much and I Go ahead. I, well, I, I love it that much that I want to make sure that there's an impact that I don't care if it's sprint cars, late models, modifieds, everybody can do what they can afford and what they have the passion for. But I just hope dirt racing can keep going. Did you think pay-per-view helped some of that? Gave some people a lot of exposure to the the sport maybe that they hadn't seen? I think think pay-per-view helped it a whole lot. I really do. Uh, I think that pay-per-view helped the promoters stay alive on some of the big races. Uh, it's like this year. I've got a World Outlaw race coming to my track again. Uh, World and thank Outlaws, you. Because <laughs> yes, of thank you for vision, that. <laughs> be, because of Dirt Vision, it scares me a little bit uh, about how many fans it takes for me to do my half. And because they're getting the subscription, but they're also making fans in our area that may come to my racetrack by having a dirt vision going on in Port Royal, Pennsylvania. So as you say, do I think it helps? I think it does because it's helping keep all of our fans in this area uh, in some kind of a communication with the rest of the sprint car world when they're somewhere else. I know for a fact that all three of us will be at that at your racetrack for that World Outlaw race. I w- we wouldn't miss it for the world. <laughs> I, if Dur- I, I'm not if- going to miss it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> If Dirt Vision paid me $50 to stay home and watch it, or I I had to pay you $50 to watch it at the track, I will pay you $50 to watch it at the track. And I'm probably a minority, but I, I would rather be there to eat one of your porks, um, pork loin sandwiches, which is one of the best in the country. No, it is the so, best so, pork sandwich in so, the country. So don't change that at all. <laughs> Um, I'll make sure I tell I, my wife that for sure. <laughs> oh, don't change it at all. That is the bomb. Put some jalapeno peppers on it. And it's mustard and it's it's heaven. So, um, but but anyway, beside that, um, having the going to seeing it live, smelling the fumes, the noise, uh, we'll we'll all three be there for sure. And, and like and like I said, you get to watch the rest of the race, not just two cars or three cars in some cases. Absolutely. Well, I, I hate to even make this question, but I'm, I got a question. What are your concerns right now about the COVID situation and I-80 Speedway? Uh, what um, it, things are getting better? Things are improving. More, more evacuate uh, evacuations, vaccines <laughs> uh, are happening, and so forth. So, uh, what are your concerns right now going into the 2021 season out there at ID Speedway for the COVID situation? Looking at it today. 
I did tell my daughter today, we still have to get a, approval from the Sarpy cast board. You know what I mean? To make sure if there's anything that we're doing wrong, to make sure if there's anything that they want to push us or have us do differently. Um, I don't see a problem right now. I feel that it's going to open up to 100% being an outside venue. The more vaccines we get, I believe the spread is going to slow, just keep slowing down like we've seen it. I certainly hope, I hope that we do not have a pickup from anything. Uh, I felt bad last year, Knoxville got shut down because they said someone brought it in there. And, you know, they don't even know if it was a fan. They don't know it was anybody to do with the racing. Right. But the racing got shut down because of it, you know, and that's almost wrong. It could have been anybody driving through that town that stopped at a Casey's or a, or I, and I shouldn't use a name of a, of a, a gas sponsor. station, yeah, but, but they are one of my sponsors. So I want to no, make sure I use Casey's also. <laughs> drop it, but, drop it. <laughs> um, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? They grabbed a gas pump. They've done different things and uh, possibly spread the germ and it got, and it got spread there. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't mean they're bad people. It doesn't mean anything was wrong. It just happened that day, you know? Right. Um, I think, I think we're in a good, in a great situation compared to a year ago. That's what Absolutely. I'm going to tell you about the COVID this year. I, I think we're in such a good situation right now compared to a year ago. I don't think people really, really know how good of a situation we're in. Well, I'll say uh, I got both vaccinations, so I'm I'm supposedly 95% immune. Uh, Alan DeHay talked me into going to I-80 Speedway twice last year, and, and he had to talk to me a little bit this year. There's no question I'm going to I-80 Speedway this year. So, um, um, but my question is, uh, it'll kind of change the change the topic a little bit. Last year, you you put some new suites up there on the top of the bleachers. Uh, anything new or yes. improved or exciting that's going on at ID Speedway this year for the uh, twenty twenty one season? This year, with the improvements we've done last year, and with the COVID, not knowing where it was going, and in December they were talking about how bad it was getting, and we did not make any plans to do anything this year. I mean, really, until the last thirty days. Who knew if we was going to be able or what was going to happen? You know, it, it just finally started getting better. And I've had my vaccines also. So I've had both shots now and I'm happy to have them. And I feel I, I truthfully feel more comfortable. I, I walked around and shook a lot of people's hands last year or tried to say hi without shaking hands. But there was a lot of people that we met. And I was more worried because my mom will not stay home and she worked in the ticket booth all year long and I was so worried that they would catch it between her and my dad and I would get that feeling that it came from the racetrack even though we wouldn't be able to prove it right. uh, I just I, I worried about it I worried about it terrible last year and I if that ticket booth's open she, and she's well she's going to be there selling <laughs> tickets well I'm glad everybody, yeah, I mean, everybody made her. it through alright there <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, let's, I I think we're going to have a great season. I really do. Uh, I don't believe that there's going to be a problem coming back. I mean, we've got, we've got a race coming up. We've got the track rented uh, here at the last 
Friday of March. And then we've got the following week, we've got this sprint car and late model show. And I think there's one other class each night. And I think we're going to have a great weekend that weekend, as long as the weather holds out. I, you know, I, I'm expecting that we're going to get another uh, week that we're going to get some cold weather or another weekend we're going to have some cold weather. But I don't know if it'll happen that weekend of racing. Let's, let's hope that that weekend comes out great for us. And, you know, some other weekend or some other days it gets cold and we don't have to worry about it. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Joe, I want to thank you for jumping on with us, taking time out of your uh, your busy night there. I know you had some meetings to attend and whatnot, but uh, I, I can speak for all three of us that we are looking forward to the uh, April third, 2nd and 3rd uh, weekend so we can all return to uh, IED Speedway and uh, check out some uh, racing action. Well, let's, let's have a great time that weekend, and I appreciate you guys taking the time to give me a chance to talk and, you know, keep an I-80 on your on your board, on your monitor. So uh, well, we will talk again. Anytime you guys have got time, you can give me a holler. I'm always interested in talking to people that are race fans. Well, I'm, I'm glad this 15-minute conversation turned into 35 or 40 minutes. But uh, 27 really minutes. Time. <laughs> 27 minutes. No problem, guys. Have a great day. All right. Thanks oh, a lot, Joe. Thanks, Thanks Joe. You, Joe. You betcha. All right, Joe Kosiski, man, it sounds like uh, I-80 is uh, back and ready to roll. I mean, you know, the owners all vaccinated, uh, keeping everybody <laughs> safe. And, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's good to see, and I don't want, well, I'm not going to dwell on this, but no. it's good to see that facilities do take this serious. And they have yeah. our concerns in their best interests. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, April 2nd and 3rd. Uh, the spring meltdown with 360 sprint cars, uh, su- Ma- the Malvern Bank super late models, sport mods on Friday, uh, A mods on Saturday. Uh, sounds like a hell of a time to me, boys. That Saturday night sounds oh, like dude. actually a really good show. I, I'm no matter what, unless the weather is shitty, no matter what, I am there. Me too. Even if I have to buy a pit pass, I'm there. <laughs> you know what's what's funny is. Last year, I was up in the suite with Alan DeHay and a couple others, and Joe came Name up there. Name dropping, not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, Joe came up there and, and uh, um, kind of supervised the the features uh, up there in the suites, and it was so cool to listen to him talk because the whole time, instead of just sitting back and watching the feature, he was always on the radio. Um, every one of the push trucks has a special name. Godzilla, but stuff Mike. like that. Yeah, just just stuff like that. And he would be on the phone or on the headset. Hey, Godzilla, go to turn two. Hey, um, push truck Mike, turn three or whatever. And it was so cool to listen to uh, Joe work the, the the headset and make sure the syst- the whole night of racing went so smoothly. I, I was super impressed with it, and and uh, I, I I was glad I got up to the, got to experience that that night that night yeah definitely it, the, those racetrack promoters uh, give them shit all you want for you know like what joe was saying you know it, it was a bad night of racing but you know you got to say why but they are some of the hardest working people out there no oh, for sure yep and you can't find anybody that you know find very few people love racing more than the kaziski family no so. definitely not <laughs> And across the board, I mean, yeah, um, I think is it the grandson that's racing now in the fifty three or the fifty two? Uh, mm-hmm. Andrew is uh, Joe's son. 
I believe. And he revealed a new paint scheme. It's all white with a little bit of blue. It's kind of sharp and it's kind of goes against the Kaziskis. Usually they have red, but uh, yep. um, I, I can't wait for the ID Speedway to open up and go out there and support them. And I'm not a late model fan, but that that, that Silver Dollar Nationals might be on my bucket list. You're not year. a late model fan, but you grew up at Mid-Continent Speedway in Donovan, Nebraska, where they <laughs> raced late models. But they had they had the 302 sprint car races there. See, that's the thing. I never saw a sprint car race there. Yeah. But I grew oh, up. dude, Dean Warden and uh, uh, um, Wilbur Heckey dominated. I shouldn't say I never saw a sprint car race. I saw the last sprint car race there ever. <laughs> But uh, no, I'm going to confuse a lot of people because while we were talking on talking with Joe, I was uh, building the uh, the the graphic for this week's uh, episode, and we have a late model on on the graphic this week, so <laughs> we're going to confuse some people. So it's all right. Put a sprint car on there too. No, no, I got I got a a photo of Joe Kosiski out there uh, wheeling that 53 machine out there at ID Speedway back from 2010. Oh, really? Yep. Cool. So yeah, so I, I think that's gonna wrap it up for the night. Uh, little little things went a little out of order. Uh, <laughs> we we didn't uh, we didn't do the back half of the show with with our driving topic of the night. We we kicked things. We well we we wrapped things up with Joe Kaziski. So uh, guys, I want to thank everybody for uh, sticking through it uh, this whole episode. If you made it this far to the end, I uh, want to leave a comment or anything like that. Leave a comment on our Facebook page, on uh, Twitter, a Quick Time Pod, or you know hell. Give us a call, 402-937-9003. Especially so, uh, if you have uh, ideas for a bed and breakfast for Brad. Yeah, Brad needs a bed and breakfast. <laughs> In Some, Pennsylvania. Uh, someplace classy because he's taking his lady friend with him. <laughs> and my daughter, so it doesn't have to be that classy. And his adopted son, <laughs> which is me now. <laughs> Speaking of your daughter, she just had a birthday, so let's, let's give Kaylee a birthday shout-out. I know she yes. probably doesn't listen to this. 24 years old, and no, she doesn't. <laughs> it should be a requirement <laughs> so anyways happy birthday kaylee uh hopefully we get to go to race again because anytime you got you and your dad at a race it's a pretty good time because we get to make fun of your old man when he's hammered and i'm happy to happy to be the <laughs> the, the topic of all the conversation <laughs> all right boys and girls that's going to do it for this week's episode and we will catch everybody on the flip side cheers everybody good night